They said it was forbidden. They said it was dangerous. They were right. Introducing the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual. Dive into the arcane, into the hidden corners of the occult. This isn't just a comic. It's a hidden tome of supernatural power. All original artwork illustrating the groundbreaking research of Juan Ayala, one of the only living homunculologists of our time. Learn how to summon your own homunculus, an enigma wrapped in the fabric of reality itself, their power at your fingertips, their existence, your secret. Explore the mysteries of the Aristotelian, the spiritual, the Paracelsian, the Crowleyan homunculus, ancient knowledge lost to time, now unearthed in this forbidden tale. This comic book holds truths not meant for the light of day, knowledge that was buried, feared, and shunned. Are you ready to uncover the hidden, the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual, not for the faint of heart, available now from Paranoid American. Get your copy at tjojp.com or paranoidamerican.com today. This is the construct. It's our loading program. We can load anything from clothing to equipment, weapons, training simulations, anything we need. Right now, we're inside a computer program. Is it really so hard to believe? Your clothes are different, the plugs in your arms and head are gone. Your hair has changed. Your appearance now is what we call residual self-image. It is the mental projection of your digital self. This... This isn't real. What is real? How do you define real? If you're talking about what you can feel, what you can smell, what you can taste and see, then real is simply electrical signals interpreted by your brain. This is the world that you know. The world as it was at the end of the 20th century. It exists now only as part of a neural interactive simulation that we call the Matrix. You've been living in a dream world, Neo. This is the world as it exists today. to another episode of the Juan Juan podcast. I'm your host Juan. On this episode we have Luke Williamson with us again. We're asking some questions that we probably won't get the answer to. Very big questions. What happens after we die? 
what if there's nothing after all of this? And again, every time I talk to Luke, it's always a three to four hour conversation that I have to break up into two episodes because it's just so much information. We go all over the place. And again, this episode goes deep. Psychedelics, ancient civilizations, the reptilian overloads, you know, whatever you want to call it. Oh, there always seems to be something going on in the world of negativity and to keep us, you know, the hostility towards one another, always dividing us, you know, divide and conquer, how they say. I hope you enjoy this episode. This is Psychedelics, Ancient Technologies, and Society with Luke Williamson. We've always been meaning to talk about the the reactivations that you were talking about. We keep meaning to talk about a lot of stuff because we've never we still haven't even really <laughs> talked about like Peru and Bolivia just a little bit. But yeah, reactivations. It's like, I mean, it's sort of what people, I guess. Uh, this is something that happens with Buffalo Alvarius with the the toad medicine. Is that um, you can have spontaneous sort of reactions for a little while afterwards, where you're kind of back in that state without having ingested anything. What? Yeah, and it's, you know, um, I've had, uh, excuse me, I've had three of them um, when I haven't actually, you know, been doing anything per se. And one of them was just immobilizing. And I was very happy to be in a place where I could deal with it like I wasn't on an airplane or something. Um, But I think also I, I tend to want to believe at least that the medicine wouldn't do that to you uh the the ones i've had has always been they've always activated when i've been in a relaxed state somewhere uh, what type of dmt is that is the, the five meo that's five meo yeah and so it has residual effects on you it can and there are things that you you know they're like i wouldn't i would not smoke pot for like 10 days after doing five meo if i were you know if i didn't want a reactivation that that will trigger a reactivation. and it's like the trip the reactivation is like the trip can uh no it's no because five meo for me i generally do not remain in my body or myself at all i dissolve i become everything and nothing and i i have that state of non-duality of being and non being everything and not being anything at once, which is, I think, probably the best thing I've ever felt, to be honest. Um, but uh, this was not oh, shit. I'm gonna fuck it. I'll tell you this story. Uh, I was actually in Thailand and um, I was going to bed. It was late at night. I'd come back from the doctor. And I was there to, to get a checkup after my surgery and. Um, I had this activation in my hotel room um, where I I didn't really know what was going on. I was just laying down to go to bed, and um, I just started getting sucked into these fractal kind of tunnels when I closed my eyes, and it was really intense. It was like I couldn't quite escape, and then uh, I started feeling a lot of pressure on my forehead. And like a thumb was pressing on my forehead and uh, my breathing became quite erratic and uh, my muscles were spasming. Uh, Tension release, tension release, couldn't 
couldn't get comfortable, didn't really have control. And then uh, the pressure on my forehead got worse and worse. And then um, this purple cone of light blew out of my forehead and just sort of illuminated half the room. There were other entities in there. Um, there was like some kind of gray haze or smoke that was like a foot deep in my room. Um, I was just completely incapacitated. I was just uh, processing that because how, how do you process that? I thought maybe I was going insane. I thought maybe I was having some kind of uh, psychotic break and I'm, I'm like stable in the psychedelic space. I've never had any I know I can handle my shit, and so it took me a few minutes to just get um, – I couldn't read my phone, but I was able to uh, get to my music in my phone, and I have like my Shaman Icaros from Peru on my phone, and I was able to play the Protection Icaro uh, on a loop on my phone, and until for about an hour and a half, I was th- – there were some disconcerting things going on because most of the entities I was seeing were were fine, totally benign, and they they weren't super interested in me. Um, but there were these other shadow uh, entities at the edge of my room, and they were at the edge of my vision. And if I tried to look at them, they kind of rolled off the eye was a really weird thing like i couldn't ever i could see them and i I tried to look at them directly and focus on them it was like water like sliding off of a mirror i can't it was and i i didn't like that because i've never been in an ayahuasca or psychedelic state where something has not wanted to be seen by me i felt uncomfortable with that I'd rather something like we talked about how things can look horrible but actually feel good or not feel frightening. And these, like, I just, I wanted to see them. And so I struggled with that for a while. And then I was, uh, once I was able to read my phone, I texted my, uh, like, facilitator. And bless him, he called me immediately from California and talked to me for about an hour. And it was like, yeah, this is this is a reactive. He's like, your third eye opened this reactivation, and what you, know, you, you got to process this stuff. And you know, he just helped me not be afraid that I was, you know, having some kind of a mental breakdown because I I just didn't know what I was experiencing. And then after about four hours, uh, I was sort of okay. And then after about ten hours, everything like vision was a little bit blurry, but everything was back to normal. And then I, I haven't had another one since, but that was so intense. Like the ones I had before that were nothing, nothing like that. Um, but that was just so intense. And I was conscious, like when it had, like I wasn't at all in the dream state. Um, so it was, uh, it was kind of disconcerting for a little while. And then afterwards, um, I just became very interested in, in, you know how to go further with that state either you know through meditation or what what process i can do to get back to a point where i can experience perception because it wasn't comfortable it wasn't a comfortable experience at all i just wanted it to end uh you know it's one of those things a lot of time we see that you know the guy, he there he is cross-legged he's got that sort of 
benign smile of you know peace on his face and he's in that space and you know the third eye is open and this that and the other and i'm like wow obviously i'm not physically ready because that was very uncomfortable so you know what do i need to do to figure out you know if, if that's possible all the time and i'm 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 really sucking on doing anything about it i haven't there's a you know i have a friend who's trying to introduce me to somebody in india to talk about some of that stuff and i just i haven't got around to it that's incredible you always blow my mind with some crazy crazy story <laughs> you know there's, there's there, are whole, there are whole other worlds and dimensions out there and you know we can continue to treat this stuff as fantasy you know or we can start to to develop uh, a way to study it, a way to go further with it. And I think a lot of these guys like Rick Strassman, you know, are really heroes, these pioneers of, uh, you know, psychedelic uh, research, you know, who are going to end up curing a lot of people with PTSD and, and other issues with probably a combination of, of MDMA and, and various psychedelics. Um, but I, the one thing, and I know I said this in, when we talked about this before is that the, you know, the Bufo is, um, I mean, it is like, it is like the cross to the vampire of depression. That's all I can say is the that what it's, it's like, I, I don't, I've never experienced anything else that has just not just cleared my depression it made me feel like I don't have to accept that. I'm okay. Okay, all of this sucks. Okay, that is a heavy weight. And there's no point. There's no point in wallowing that. There's no point in spiraling into that. Okay, so, I mean, it's been... I've had times in the world where, like, ATM cards have uh, been eaten inside machines, and I'm somewhere where nobody speaks English, and I can't get a hold of my bank, you know, and I have, like... I've got to live... I just... This last year, I had to live for, you know, a week in foreign country on in less than $70 and I just decided to, to treat it as an interesting experiment you know and I was able to figure out a way to pay keep paying for a, a hotel room so I didn't have to sleep in the park but it was it was an interest I was like you know let's just but there are times when all this stuff even now like I got a lot of stuff piling up but like I get a little pissed off about it but I'm not I, I would have let this suck me down into a spiral and there's something about the bufo that gives you the ability to do that, or it's given me the ability to do that. And What's I, the bufo loop? It's the toad. It's the five meo. Oh, and you know, I, it's something about that, like that state of non-being or that that non-duality, where there there is nothing but you, and and you are you are nothing. It's it's so um, it's so interesting, but when you come back from that, it feels. I feel like I have just slept for a year while I was being like massaged while I slept. You know, I mean, it's just like I, I come back, I'm so relaxed. You know, I, I have such an appreciation for how there's no beauty without flaw. You know, and they, all these things that everything is so petty. All of our problems, all of our issues, all of our little me, me, me issues, it's all so petty and it doesn't really mean anything. And all this stuff is safe and you, you just go out there and and live your life and, and until it ends. I, I don't know. That's that's just where I'm getting to and it's a it's a much better place than I've been.
Yeah. And I yeah. appreciate the chances to like think about this and actually put it into words because sometimes it just sits in you and it's not until you actually express it somehow that you can yeah, build it's, up. It's a lot. It's a lot. And then those are questions that I have every day, especially looking into all of this. Yeah. But see, but that's the thing. That's why I told you that you can't really comment on what I'm thinking about because you've had these mind-blowing experiences that, again, you've seen other other things that you can't explain and it's just i wish i'd had these conversations with my dad because he was that was his greatest fear he wasn't afraid of anything except like the death of the ego like the of the of the not existing of not knowing that you ever existed and yeah. like that i was much more concerned with dying like i don't you know i don't want to burn to death or you know, be eaten alive or, you know what I mean? It's like, I'm not, I was less concerned about death and more concerned about, you know, how it happened. Whereas he was just really concerned about that, you know, nothingness. And, um, and, you know, I've come to see nothingness as a, as a beautiful release. If that's all it is, think about that. Like there are no cares. You are not going to feel anything. You're going to, you're going to be just fine. Not being, it's not a traumatic experience to not be. It's not, but... I'm kind of looking forward to it. It's like all these religions and all these things, they are just intended. And like you said, live your life, all this stuff. A lot of these religions are just focused on the now, you know, to prepare for that. But that's all we have is the now. So, you know, just we got to do everything in, in, in the now because that's all, all we ever have. Did I ever read to you that Alan Watts quote? No, but I, I'm pretty sure I know it. You know which one I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. About yeah. being in the now. In the eternal now, yeah. The eternal now. Because there is this, no... And that's one of the things these, you know, the plant medicines, the sacred medicines connect you, connect you to that. And I've, you know, it, and it really also encourages you to think about your environment um, in, in different ways that you would never have before. And... I became, you know, aware that plants really are. I mean, we know that they physically feel stuff. We've been able yes. to prove that. But like, plants really are conscious. But there, it's a different kind of consciousness. And then, I've had all kinds of theories because of what plants show me in the ayahuasca sessions. I'm like, did they think they're still talking to the humans of like 1,500 years ago? Because they're showing me like these symbols and the stuff that like would have made sense to Mesoamerican cultures, but. Why are they showing that to a guy from California? You know, they're not they're not pulling stuff from within me to show me. They're showing me stuff that they understand or comes from there. You know what I mean? It's a, like I'm thinking I don't think plants experience time the same way we do. I think and I think plants have an agenda. And I know it might be as simple as what Terence McKenna used to say that plants, you know, invented humans to to move seeds around. <laughs> uh, and maybe we're just an out of control plant experiment. Well, but uh, look, but yeah. Look at look at you know fungi. Yeah, that's an incredible. incredible and there's so much because we've learned that plants communicate with each other through mm -hmm. fungi. Mm -hmm. So that's that's a really interesting thing. And look at all the things that that fungus is doing now that we weren't aware like fungus can eat plastic there is a type of fungus Dude, growing absorbing radiation yeah i was about to chernobyl. at chernobyl there's fungus growing on the walls <laughs> there's eating radiation. i mean like i hate mushrooms like i was forced at school like mushrooms make me i'm i don't think i'm technically allergic but like if i smell or eat 
mushrooms, I vomit. About psilocybin. Uh, like I have to break it up, like on the top of like a glass of water and swallow it, so I don't have to taste or chew it, and then I can keep it down. But like I, I went to a school in the UK where they're very strict. You had to eat everything that was put on your plate. You know, this is like seven years old, and you would get punished, like severely, like severely punished. Like you lived at the school. It was brutal. And like mushroom soup day was like the worst day because I would sit there for six hours and with that bowl of cold soup in front of me and not eat it and then take like, you know, a week's worth of punishment for it. So it was like it was the experience of hating the mushroom and then having it like really rubbed into to, to my face. So I, I'm not a fan of mushrooms, but I'm a big fan of what mushrooms can do for us. I mean, they're, well, there may be, you know, more that they're able to do as well as help our help our brains and help us get rid of this fucking plastic which we don't know how to get, we don't know how to get rid of yeah and, uh, and the radiation which we don't know how to get rid of that is and i was telling somebody the other day you think about like these worldwide level events where something occurs and you know in the past we've had you know them and we've we've come back from them uh but you know what happens this time when there is like an entire world of Fukushima's as our ability to look mm-hmm. after nuclear reactors breaks down and all of them, all of them all over the world. <laughs> you know, what, what chance are, you know, the, the great grandchildren of the initial survivors going to have. And, but you know, something else will rise that enjoys the radiation. Maybe it'll be mushroom planet for a while. And then, you know, well, they're talking about making bases on the moon out of mushrooms. Did you hear about that? I didn't hear about that. Yeah, sounds they're looking, interesting. They're looking into that, dude. The mushroom, the spores of a mushroom, a fungi, oh, yeah, can survive travel. in outer space. They travel. They probably seeded the planet. Yes, yes, they probably did, and and they're intelligent. They're intelligent, dude. They I think plants, all plants are. It's a fungus, but yeah, I think they are absolutely. And and you see it even growing psilocybin. You inject it, and you see it take over the media. Mm. You know, it's like a network, a colony. It colonizes everything. It just takes over. Well, look, everything. you know, it got a little foothold in the 60s, and the establishment tried to crush it. You know, and here we are, you know, 50 years later. And, like, they can't control Like, there was a war on drugs. And I, let me announce now, if you don't know, drugs won. I'd like to congratulate drugs <laughs> on a, on a well-fought game because they're still here. You know, yeah. all of them. We've spent, you know, trillions. They're still here. So, you know, and now finally, it's all by the CIA, dude. The, the good drugs, you know, the good, the the natural stuff is finally starting to find its application in science and medicine, where it should have been all along. You know, so sometimes we're just slow to get there, and I don't think it's going to make it far though, because if psilocybin can treat depression and mm-hmm. treat it and cure it after six months doing, I don't know how many doses, you. That's gonna put a hole in the pharmaceuticals. Well, pocket. you know, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to take them down anyway. I think you know we get we get rid of the insurance companies is the first step, and then you know we can move on from from there. And you know, if they don't murder Bernie, uh, <laughs> you know, we might we might actually get there. Yeah. So who knows? Jeez. But we'll yeah. see. Like I don't. That guy's got balls of steel. Honestly. That guy needs to retire is what he needs to do. I mean, I, I don't vote and I don't, I don't really pay attention to politics because I, I feel, again, it's ruled by the reptilians and they've they've made it to, they've they've rigged it so much 
they can't just have one position because obviously we live in a democracy, quote unquote. But they've rigged it so much that it's oh, down it's to two parties. For, yeah, for no, it's, two... it's it's completely rigged. The system, you know rigged. what I mean. But you know what the the initial system that's underlying it. You know, we can we can get to where we need to. We forget that I don't. You know, unless they really are reptiles, unless they're going to come out with their fucking laser gun, there's more of us than there are of them. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I and mean, we we the people we forget all the time. And you know, there's going to be enough or a certain amount of us who buy you know the the normal routine. But there's enough of us now, and it, just the difference in the amount of people between 2016 and now or pointing out all the bullshit that they didn't point out that was existed in 2016 and was in full flow, but nobody was saying anything about it. Four years later, even mainstream media are forced to talk about it, and all the time. So I think that's actually a really positive step, and Trump may end up actually being really positive for you know uh, exposing the boils that you know we can lance. I mean, we've got to have some kind of hope, or there's you know there's no real point. But I, I would be careful, Juan, um, you know, just giving these reptilian overlords too much power in your mind because I don't think that leads to a good place like no, for, your, it, for, your, for your mental health. It doesn't, and that's the problem, Luke, that they feed off. The, like I've learned, and I, and I had – I did an episode with a uh, Stoic philosopher, and in Stoicism, it's pretty much finding a way to – not let things that you can't control. So things out of your control not dictate you, right? And the 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 problem with society that we're in now is like we're always so worried about things that we can't control, mm-hmm. right? And I'm one to do it because I do it all the time. You know, I'll start complaining about something, either work or something that I can't control. But again, like you said, that mentality if you let it rule over you, then yeah, we'll push you into there and they and. You know, if it's true that they are reptilians, whatever, uh, they, you know, they feed off of that energy. And that's what, you know, that's what David Icke always talks about, how they, you know, love conquers all. And just because uh, there's always, it feels like there's always something going on in the world. There's not ever like a time of that there's nothing happening. Uh, you know, at first there was the, uh, the Iran or the Syria thing, you know, World War Three. If it wasn't World War III, it was the impeachment. If it wasn't the impeachment, now it's the coronavirus. It's always something. And it's only the beginning of the year, dude. It's only March. It's about to be March. Well, it was coronavirus. Now it's 5G, right? Well, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, and then you got people like my buddy who, oh, 5G is good for you. It's like, no, it's not, dude. Uh, you know, aren't they doing a recall for the iPhones, the new iPhones? Because they're giving off, uh, you know, two times or I don't know how many times. Yeah. So, Apparently, pretty much all the wireless shit is bad for us, you know. So. Like, aren't we at a, an all-time high of people getting uh, cancer in their hands and yeah, stuff like but that? But I mean, like yeah. radio, even like radio frequencies, like the radios we listen to. Apparently, these aren't like healthy frequencies. They tell stuff. you not to stand in front of your fucking microwave because it's bad for you. Yeah, I remember. Um, I read a Jersey Kaczynski book a long time. I've read most of his books, but one book I read of his. And I, I always meant to check and see if this was true, but he kills somebody in one of his books by having him stand in front of an airplane and he goes into the cockpit and turns the radar on. What? And like he focuses like, you know, the, the radar beam is like focused yeah. forward or something. And yeah. like 
the radar like gives this guy like terrible cancer like that focused radar and then the, the guy ends up dying like later i wouldn't doubt it i mean look at the you know we're talking about chernobyl look at that look at that the, the guys who I'm, worked the honestly, guys who I'm, worked there died early they had cancer oh yeah you know? no i'm i'm more worried about fukushima now because like chernobyl we know what's going on like the facts are out you know they fucked up initially <laughs> but it's on it's it's on land which is a big bonus and like they have been making real efforts like the japanese i blame quite is it still leaking into the oceans oh yeah not only that but they're planning on dumping like more all the time they're like yeah really? we can just dump this in the oh yeah tepco is the one of the worst fucking co- i call them ineptco and you know the thing is the japanese um and not to just crap on another culture without good reason but like this whole losing face thing is has really damaged the planet and Fukushima because like for the first 24 hours, there's a window where international teams could have helped them come in and contain that. And they didn't want any help because they were, you know, but it's like China, dude. Face. They, they didn't want to come out and say, hey, we fucked up. Yeah. And now and, they're just trying to deal with it. it and I mean, it's getting is, out of their hands. You know, and, and when you release this kind of radiation into water, this is one of the things we found out. Like after World War Two, when we started bombing like Bikini Atoll and all, and bombing like mm-hmm. naval mm-hmm. old Godzilla rectal uh, <laughs> old naval uh, f- fleets, like the old remnants of the or wrecks, you know that that, and again we didn't understand. We thought we knew, but uh, the ships that survived the blast, we sent guys in in denim outfits with like brushes. You know, and soap and stuff to scrub the ships to use them again. Like, we had no idea about gamma rays and that it couldn't be detected that time. All, all those people died. But also, when that stuff is released into water, it's much more damaging because, you know, that stays in the, the water and then it goes into yeah. the air and comes back into the, It's not like it, it's, we can dissipate. It's, I mean, it dissipates, but it's, it's much worse. And it's much more concentrated for longer periods of time. And Fukushima is just a, it's an absolute fucking disaster. Like they don't, now they don't know how to get rid of any of that stuff. And they've just got all these vats of this highly radioactive contaminated, all this, you know, barium, strontium, cesium and all this shit. And they're just dumping it. They're like, oh yeah, we're going to dump it. It'll be fine. It's so fucked up, right? And then we want to go to other planets to do what? Yeah, that's what's. That's why I I understand like the theory that people are like no the aliens are there to stop us from like getting to another fucking yeah. planet. Yeah. Like I could see that. Like we're we're ants like invading, you know, someone's kitchen. And you know, we're a pest. Do you we ever are. see this there's a really great animated movie uh 1973 it's French um called uh, Fantastic Planet La Planète Sauvage. And it's a it's a really cool psychedelic it's a really cool um animated movie about um these giant blue beings who live on this planet and humans are pests we're we're little we can either be pets or pests and they they sometimes kill us as pests and sometimes they keep us as pets and then they have these learning devices you know for their kids that are like headsets they put on learn and one of the humans that's a pet starts listening with its owner to the headset and starts learning and goes back to the little little human colony and tries to wake people up. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, I check that out. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And there's some yeah. really uh, there's some really cool psychedelic scenes in it. I, there's this I one where like where like the four four adults get together to to meditate 
and their bodies uh, like become kind of globular and intertwine in this really psychedelic sequence. It's very cool. I just finished watching uh, Parasite, that Korean movie. I haven't, I haven't watched that, but uh, I, I'm interested. I, I kind of want to see that. Yeah, dude, you should check it out. It's fucking. Uh, it was, it was really, it was really good, man. I really liked, because I, I really liked the idea, like the concept behind Species. Do you remember that movie? Wasn't very good. With the aliens, though. Yeah, yeah. Basically, what the story is, was, you know, because we sent in the seventies with NASA, we sent off, you know. Uh, whatever uh, satellite it was into the into the distance you know bear, beaming out this message hey we got two arms we got two legs we got blood we breathe oxygen we eat camels you know whatever it says on there right? yeah. and uh, the point of that movie is like like you basically just sent like everything about us and like what could kill us or you know make us healthy or whatever like anybody who studies that go okay yeah so a little bit of cyanide and uh, so that's the premise of that movie is that like this alien race goes, oh, wow, look at these nasty little monkeys. And so they come up with uh, how do we get rid of them? Oh, let's uh, let's make her creature looks like a really hot woman that they'll yeah. breed with. It'll wipe out the whole race. And I thought, you know, it's perfect. That's absolutely this. Like, let's not like communicate with anybody. Till we got our shit together. How about that? It's like yeah. dating. Like, you know, if you're a hot mess, maybe just work on yourself a little bit before you date. It's going to save you that nasty divorce later. Yeah, I, I just, uh, I don't know if you've seen it, Love is Blind on Netflix. I didn't, I haven't watched it, no. Yeah, it's uh I'm really weird, like, a lot of things just don't hold my interest. I think they would, and then, I don't know. Getting harder yeah. to please. <laughs> did you did you watch that, uh, that documentary I was telling you about, um, Inner Worlds, Outer Worlds? Yeah, I did. I did. Yeah. I watched it before uh, our other, uh, the the episode. I think the yeah. before the last episode we did. I I love that. If I had made that, because it's 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 amateur and it's so beautiful, and like mm-hmm. the thought behind it and everything that went into it is just so beautiful. It's it's you know it's flawed in a lot of ways, and I just love it. I think it, I'd be so proud if I had made that. I would be so proud. Well, I mean, uh, what what's your status on on your documentary? Oh, it's it's coming. You know, it'll. I'm giving myself to the end of this year to uh, finish collecting uh, interviews and video, and uh, things are you know coalescing into form and shape. And every day it gets a little little clearer. And then um, after this trip to Egypt in October, it's time to just actually lay it all down and then see what I can do with it once it's done and it, you know these videos that i make because i didn't go to school for this and i didn't learn how to be a filmmaker and i just sort of as you know i play a couple instruments i did the same thing i just taught myself how to play i just i i hate like this super structured i like to learn i like to just jump into something and learn and that means i i learn how to do things wrong and and i pick up bad habits and i educate myself and i could have avoided all that stuff but i just that's just more me it's just more how I feel comfortable doing it and so that's what I did with this you know and and uh, I've learned a lot so I make these videos and and that helps me a lot with my technique and then as I'm putting it together and with like working narration it helps me with like oh this is really how I need to start structuring it more like this and it's so I just you know I started watching some some Werner Herzog um 
discussions on how to make a documentary. I was like, oh, fuck, I've been doing it completely wrong. So it was good. <laughs> he's like, uh, you know, he gets called in to help people all the time. And he's like, oh, that's the worst things. That's when you, I like you get it. And he's like, I have 200 hours of footage. And I'm like, fuck. You know, because that's what you don't want to look through 200 hours of shit for somebody yeah. to like work out. You want to go in with your vision of how it is and get that and come back and put it together. And he's absolutely right. And that's not how, you know, this ancient culture stuff has worked out for me at all. Because I don't know what I'm going to find when I get there. I'm really limited on the equipment I can use. And then learning how to use, you know, the, the, the equipment and like the software and everything. It's been a, it's been a fun ride. That's awesome, dude. Frustrating at times for sure, but, but fun. Yeah, I've been thinking about starting the book I've been wanting to write. I've been thinking about that lately, but... Yeah, you should do that. Yeah, and yeah, so many ideas, man. But, dude, you always manage to blow my mind with some crazy fucking story that <laughs> you tell me. You know, this is one of the things that we didn't discuss last time that I wanted to, to mention, because I started to mention it, I think, in the first one when we started getting into plants and what plants can show you. I've I've worked mostly with two different shamans. Um, and the first shaman I, I really worked with this guy called Don Howard at, at Spirit Quest in Peru. And they used to call him Otorongo Blanco, the white, the white jaguar. And uh, he was, um, he's a really interesting guy. And he had a lot of, obviously, history. And he was more of a Wachimero, but he also had a, a lot of experience with, with ayahuasca. And I was talking to him about these very specific you know things and you know you know if a plant shows you something you know can you believe it because like i'm being shown stuff that i want to believe and he said yes you really can but not always he said you really have to look into like what you're asking about for a start and figure out how much ego how much of your ego is involved in the question because he said the plants will lie to you to test your ego. And and he told me a, a story about that. And I was like, wow. So I really started thinking about, you know, whether how much of how much I'm influencing, you know, and my desires, which I think about now all the time in, in terms of everything. And then and I was working with another shaman who I still work with, uh, Weira who was actually Dennis McKenna's shaman for a long time. And he's an amazing, he's a mestizo shaman. He's just unbelievable this guy and i asked him the same thing and he said yeah but you have to be careful because sometimes it will it will test you it will lie to you you know to to test you and he goes you know that the magic isn't just good like the, the the medicine isn't just good it's how you use it it's like kind of like magic this white magic is black magic if you use it for for evil you can do bad things with it if you use it for good you can do good things with it and uh he told me a story and his story was about um, being in session. He was doing a dieta with uh, ayahuasca, and the ayahuasca was telling him in in his vision. It was like telling him, "You are one of the greatest shamans that has ever been." And he's like, "Wow, okay." And he says, "No, the plants were telling him, no. You really are the greatest shaman." And um, he said, "Yes, but what about my master?" who's taught me all of these things. He's like so far in a way, his understanding and his learning. And the, the plant said, ah, yes, but he's, a, he's accomplished much in this lifetime, but you have been a shaman for many lifetimes. And it was like laying this thing on him. And 
he realized that it was testing him and he had to reject this this thing but how many how many shamans get to that point and believe that you know suck it in i'm the greatest come to my thing i'll cure i'll do whatever i'll do this and this i've heard some terrible stories from people who are far more connected and have been far deeper in in you know the amazon ayahuasca world than than i'll ever be uh if just told me terrifying terrifying stories you know because there's you know there's ayahuasqueros and curanderos and vegetalismos and these guys usually work with the light medicine and then you've got the brujos and people are like oh that's not real and mm -hmm. it fucking is real it is absolutely yeah. fucking the real. occult is very real and i've always said that that's why you don't and, fuck with it you know there was um one of the stories I heard that was very interesting, because I haven't actually seen anything like this, um, but uh, Don Howard told us a story of uh, somebody who came to Spirit Quest at one of their uh, retreats, and she was a really nice lady. She was in her 50s. Everybody liked her, and um, they started um, – the first session and they drank and about 30 minutes, 40 minutes into it, uh, she started, uh, laughing and which isn't entirely unusual. Sometimes people get the giggles and it, you know, happens. And then like the laughing got louder and louder and it became really harsh and people started moving away from her and she began, uh, putting out heat. Like she was apparently, uh, like it, temperature rose as you got closer to her and uh don robert one of the older shamans stood up immediately and came over and they had to take her out and there was uh and there i met another guy who was there uh who was actually in egypt uh with me uh, he was the guy who gave anyway whatever that's an old story um they actually he watched them remove an orange ball a glowing orange ball from inside her and get rid of it I've never seen anything like that, but I've heard Graham, Graham Hancock told me a story of uh, sitting at a place in uh, somewhere in Iquitos drinking ayahuasca and watching a guy flick uh, – watching the shaman who didn't like somebody flick uh, darts of light into the person until they left. You know, so there's, what the fuck? there's stuff like that, and um, – you know, the shamans there, they do this that you'll hear it a lot if you listen to, if you watch something on YouTube, you listen to, there's a sound that's like, kind of sound that the shamans make a lot. And it's very often, it's like clearing energy and spirits and uh, something, they perceive something negative, you know. And I watched, uh, I watched this one girl at our retreat who was super, super talky and, uh, Anyway, I'm not going to get into it. Anyway, she, she went over to talk to Don, Don Howard one day, and he just started – he was like – and like, she, just, she got up and left. And I was like, that is the funniest thing I've ever seen. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so there's, there's weird stuff uh, that goes on there. Uh, I've experienced some stuff that I just could not explain uh, that I, you know, has affected other people's lives who weren't there with me. And in fact, it gave me really great hope. Like it was almost like a false encouragement. I thought I, I was going to be able to go into ayahuasca sessions at any point and do things for other people. And when I went back to do that, I got my ass really kicked, really kicked. Yeah, that's uh, you were going to say that guy from Egypt is the one that gave you the DMT. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it's funny because he was the one who told me about that place. He's like, look, if you're going to do it, you know, this is the place. And there was somebody else on that trip who, who'd been there as well. And I was looking at the Temple of the Way of Light, uh, which is a, a Shipibo place. And that, it's a little more rustic. And I probably would have gone there. Uh, but I ended up going to Spirit Quest instead. Yeah, it's... Uh... I believe in all that, man. I believe in the uh, in the occult, and I believe it shouldn't be fucked with. And I think you need to be really careful. And you know, the I think these end everything from like in in Egypt, whether you're looking at like the Book of the Gates, and they talk about you know, because these gate these are the gates that open, and you're not in the next world. You're in like the realms between. And you yeah, know, they, that's the thing on your video, right? Entities that are in there. And, in your yeah. video, the Karnak. And they the talk gates. about they just yeah they describe these entities quite you know quite deeply. I mean they talk about how bad some of them smell. You know it's it's a, it's a really interesting thing to think that that you're just making up stories about these other dimensions and evil creatures that smell bad. What like well, yeah that 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 symbol that's all over those places there and then the the we talked about this before that they. Just say no. They were just role playing. Yeah, I mean it's you know so that's those that symbolizes a gateway. I had one. No, it doesn't. I'm like oh, okay, and uh, it's quite clear. You can even even on Wikipedia if you look at it. But if you look at it up, that's what those symbols are. If you read you know the Book of the Gates, that's what that that's what that symbol is. And you know there's there's usually a double for whatever reason. I they may be showing both sides of the door in one thing. I don't know. I don't, you know, I don't know enough, but I, people argue and they say, well, you know, this is, it is LARPing if you want to call it that. It's this ritual procession that they would do. And I'm like, yeah, but we're talking about the 23rd or 26th dynasty or even the 30th dynasty. And, you know, do they know what they're doing, you know, or have they made up rituals to try to interact and explain with this, what this great mystery that they've inherited is? To me, things make more a lot more sense when you let them shake out and fall into place that way rather than like when we look at it the way they present it to us. It's like, well, yeah, but what about this? What about that? And, well, how come we don't know about this? And uh, There's no good explanation for any of it. I mean, you can have poor explanations for some of it, but not for everything. And I, to be clear, I'm not talking about like the middle and late kingdoms. I'm talking really about what we consider the old kingdom. And specifically, like the third and fourth dynasty that did the stuff that we can't really explain. And I don't think it's third and fourth dynasty. People are like stop saying that. And I'm like, well, I have to identify it as something. But that's what was left over from before. And that's you know why we struggle to identify it. But if you look at those gateways that are in that building, by the way, they don't even know exactly where that temple was constructed. They believe that those two obelisks of Hatshepsuts, supposedly Hatshepsuts, but all we really know about those is they have her name written on them. Okay, so maybe they're older than Hatshepsut, but anyway, they were known for that. They were yeah, known for marking yeah, they do that, they do that stuff all the time. Yeah, and Hatshepsut in her temple, you know, they have pictures of boats going up and down the Nile, really large boats, actually. Um, you know, that have columns and obelisks on them, and even in uh, the causeway of Winesis Pyramid, which is fifth dynasty, there are pictures of boats with columns on, and that's way before her. So, you know, it goes to show it might even have been back again because those are the once solid single piece blocks. So those might have been, you know, there's a theory that those were outside those temples too. And I think I talked to you in 
the other and I just laughed because there was that uh, list of weird patents that I was telling you about I think yeah. last time the before and it was yeah. this guy's patent for personal teleporter and you need these large granite obelisks with the uh, you know the, the electrum or whatever on the top and they had to be placed on either side of this gateway and I'm just I read that and then like I go back through the book of the gates as I'm going through my Karnak footage and I'm just laughing because like this is pretty much what that guy has described in his his patent. I was actually thinking, of, thinking about that. And this is like you... in in like the the inner sanctum of you know the gateway temple, the temple that they have supposedly built to be a simulation of the of these interdimensional gates. But when you look at the doors in that construction, they're clearly clearly from that magical fourth dynasty or whenever that was actually done. They're so massive and megalithic, and the machining on it, and the way that they fit in—that's that. That's the builders. That—that's the master builders. That's not this other shit around here with the LARPing. You LARPers weren't building this shit. <laughs> you guys were using it. So you know, and that's what I have to get into with the Egyptologists. Well, you, you're saying, and I—I I actually did it on purpose. I said something about the sperm coming out of the star because you know that's not actually a sperm, and we've heard all the stories, and I know it gets. You know, I just. I'm a, I'm a little bit of a shit stirrer sometimes. I just like to to put something in like that. So I mentioned that, and oh my god, did I get some comments about, you know? And this is what Egypt. You need to learn about Egyptology, and I'm like, yeah, but to Egyptology, Egyptology is, is a guessing game. It's not actually a science. It's let's mm -hmm. make up a story based up on things that we find. If there's anything that's inconvenient or doesn't fit, we hide it or we just don't fucking talk about it. And you find that's one what statue did. of one guy, and it's oh, it was and built he's by the him. Guy, you know. <laughs> They, it's like I told you, Abu Rawash, they found uh, what looks like actually a boat pit, which probably wasn't a boat pit, but was reused as a boat pit. The boat's gone. It got reused again. They threw some statues in it. Now the guy whose statue is in there is the guy who built the pyramid. The guy who has more statues in there built the pyramid. And the guy who has one statue in there did a repair to it. Now forget the fact that that was only like 40, 50 years later. Why would you need to repair the new fucking pyramid? Which half the Egyptologists say was never completed. They can't make their minds up. They don't know about anything, really. So while I respect they went to school and they learned about hieroglyphs and they memorized the myth of Osiris and, you know, the Pharaoh list as we know it, I don't really care what they have to say. And that's why, because I believe it's all an interpretation of something they didn't understand. Do I think it's beautiful? Do I think it's amazing? Do I love being there? Yes. Do I think I know what the fuck they were talking about? Not really. I think on some level they did. I think some of them did. I think there's knowledge that's hidden in plain sight and it was being passed on i mean we never talked about the cult of a moon that was the most powerful cult in egypt for a long time do you remember i told you about like the the stages of the five yes. stages can right? you talk about that and, and yes so the fifth stage because the first stage is like the beginning and the second stage is like the stage of like growing awareness can you talk and, about who they were okay. and i don't have i i don't Yes, let me get there. I'll get there in a second. And the third stage was like the peak when everything was possible and the greatest things were done. And then the fourth stage is the decline, and the fifth stage is the Dark Age. And the name of the Dark Age, it's, it's the time of Amun. And what Amun actually means is hidden. And this is the god of like the hidden, the hidden mysteries. And we are still now in the time of Amun. And this is the time when everything is hidden from us. And Amun, or Amun, or Amen, 
is where we get the na- the word in Latin, amen, comes from amun. And when you are saying your prayers and you say amen at the end, you are not saying what we think it means, which is so let it be. What you are saying is so let it be hidden. These are the teachings of Hakim, who was an indigenous wisdom keeper. That's what, you know, and the cult of Amun is still around. These they still, this is the most powerful cult in Egypt that consolidated all its knowledge and withheld the knowledge and ruled. The pharaoh in many circumstances was, uh, was almost a puppet. And that's why Akhenaten uh, was so completely destroyed and why you don't find his effigy and everything about him was destroyed because he took Egypt away from supporting or believing in many gods, the chief of which was Amun, to worshipping only the Aten, which is one aspect of the sun god. But he was, I believe he was trying to do that because he was trying to, to recreate the golden age. He was trying to take us back to when they could do the amazing things. I think that's how he figured out it would work. But in doing that, he pissed off the cult of Amun, and they engineered, I'm sure they engineered his downfall. He was probably murdered. We don't really know. We do know that Tutankhamun, his name was originally was Tutankhaten, after the Aten, not after Amun. So the reason that Nefertiti, the wife of Akhenaten and their son, Tutankhamun, Aten, Tutank Amun, survived was because they agreed to destroy everything Akhenaten had built and to go back, take, you know, return to the old capital and return to the worship of Amun and the many gods. And that's why you'll see Akhenaten is scratched off of most stuff down in Armana, but they leave Nefertiti in some places and some of Akhenaten's kids. But all of them changed their, you know, Meritaten. All of them that were named after Aten had to change their names to Amun. It was part of the, I mean, the cult of Amun won. And, you know, that's what they did. So they were in control of these vast repositories of knowledge. So did they store that all somewhere? Did they have control of that all somewhere? When things were later spiraling out of control, did they make an effort? There's, there are people who believe that the cult of Amun morphed into the Vatican, morphed into the, the, the Catholic Church. Oh, that's why, that's why the, uh, you know, the, the story of Horus and Osiris and all this stuff is sort of emulated in all the Christian beliefs and that underneath the vatican is where you will find a lot of you know the repositories of of the egyptian wisdom like i don't know if that's true but that's a theory that's going on around there but i had i had a couple of experiences in that 2015 and i remember i was i had this day where i was talking to uh yusuf about all you know the four different ages and we just come back from it was the end of the the hancock tour and they hadn't taken us to abu sir and abu jirab and they were like everybody let's go to the you know the market and then we're gonna go to the this and the that and i'm like you know what is this shit I'm like, does anybody want to go to a real site so i called yusuf and i got like six people and we got a permission and we went down and saw abu sir and abu jirab and then on the way back i was like yusuf tell them about you know the the five ages and you know amun and so let it be hidden so he's telling everybody in in the car about this, and uh, and I, so I asked him. I was like, you know, so these guys, you know, Hawass and whatever, are they, you know, he goes. He said, look, I think the cult of Amun is still around. He's like, I don't know about Hawass. If he is, he's mid level. He's not anywhere near the top. But he's like, yeah, I think the cult of Amun is probably still around. And and you know, working behind the scenes, it would make sense to why everything's so diff- difficult. And uh, and I, I was thinking about that, and then. I was talking to Graham later that night and uh, he was talking about an ayahuasca experience he'd had where he was like, 
he asked Mother Ayahuasca, like he was he was one cup in, and he goes, "Why is Hawass such you know?" He might have said asshole, but he you know such a difficulty to me. And Mother Ayahuasca is like, "You need to drink another cup." So he drank a second <laughs> cup, and, and it it told him that you know Hawass was a tool of the demiurge. You know, he's just the guy who's doing what he's told to maintain you know the status quo so that everything you know keeps going the way it's been going. And that's his job. And you know what? Look, if there are really incredible – this is going to blow your mind. If there are really incredible things underneath the plateau, underneath the Sphinx, you know, if they were small enough, they're gone. I'll tell you. Like they've been removed. But if they're too big, maybe. You know, maybe that stuff really is still – some of that stuff is still under there. Maybe the reason they're fucking hiding it from us is because we would fuck it up. Like we would fuck the whole world up worse than it is even now. And do I believe we have the right to ancient knowledge? Yes. Do I believe that if that ancient knowledge existed and was truly revolutionary, that like we could potentially abuse that? Yeah, maybe. For a fact, bro. Maybe Hawass is actually a good guy just wearing a fat bad man suit under his Indiana Jones costume. <laughs> I've I've never met any any anyone, let alone another Egyptian, that wears like a full denim bodysuit out in the sun. And a, and an Indiana Jones hat. I'm telling you, bro. I'm this telling is my, you. When people ask, like, well, who do you believe? I'm like, well, the first thing is any of the experts, if they're wearing, like, an outfit, like they're going on fucking safari or something, you know, or they've just come out of the kaftan, like, <laughs> I, I, I'm immediately like, I don't, I don't know about this guy. Yeah. You know, but it, you're right. There, there's probably some shit that, that we don't see, but then if it's so powerful how you're saying, you know, what's stopping them from using it? But I, then again, it, that's funny, though. I don't know. <laughs> they're just theories I, the allow, <laughs> yeah, I, just, I just allow myself to, to entertain these ideas because I, yeah. you know, for a long time, I just sort of dismissed, you know, we know there's cavities under there. We know this. Look, there's an entrance on the left side of the Sphinx, right? That, uh, that we all know about because there's yeah. still a small hole there. There's mm -hmm. one on the very top of the Sphinx that we know about because there's video of fucking Hawass climbing down inside it. Whether he and denies it exists. Or it's not, gone yeah, now, right? Uh, there is something over it. I don't know whether it's fully sealed. They, they sealed the one on the head, which I think was just a hole. You could, I think the hole in the head was to fix something like a, a headrest or like a, a headpiece for mm -hmm. the head um, because the head is actually in its current state. It's not big enough to have like you see pictures and there's like four rooms in there and like you could have a banquet in this. No, it's not big enough, man. There's no way. Um, but the body. Yeah. And uh, so the one on the top, it's in a position where they've they've pretty much made sure there's no platform there that you can look down on the center of the back from a good enough position to really see it. Um, but it's there. I know because I've seen the video of Hawass climbing down inside it. And depending on what mood he's in, he either lies and says it doesn't exist or he says it's a tunnel that was made by Tomb Raiders and doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, but I've seen that, only, though. There's not only that one. Uh, there's one uh, on the Sphinx's badonkadonk, just to the left of the base of the tail. There was a, It's sealed now. They've, they've filled it in. But there was a hole there. I've seen pictures that were taken maybe the 2030s, World War II. And there's a hole there that I could walk into probably without having to bend over too much. So that leads into an internal cavity that is maybe connected to, you know, the hole that on the left side that we've seen Hawass stuffing himself into and out 
off, even though he says that doesn't go anywhere. So but, there's obviously multiple spaces in there where they connect at some point or whatever else. And, and I'm sure they go down because the Sphinx is all bedrock. Once you get in six yeah. feet, all better. So that's just another access way into underneath the Giza Plateau, which is an absolute fucking catacomb. It's aquifers, it's tunnels, man-made, natural, all of it. It's all under there. So, yeah, there could be anything under there. The only way for them to really prove there's nothing under there is to let us in. How, how do you feel about the supposed scans that they had that there, that there's something big underneath there, uh, possibly a spaceship of some sort or something like that? I haven't seen any anything that would indicate like a, a spaceship. I mean, what what is it detecting? Metal of some kind? I don't know. No, supposedly there's like this weird shape underneath the Sphinx that they oh. that they found, and it looks it looks like it's in the shape in the shape of a spaceship. I don't know. <laughs> I'd like to see that. Like, if you find that link, send it to me. I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll look for it. But they did something that I think it was might have been on Ancient Aliens. You know, it's not if it's on. You know, <laughs> Ancient Aliens is is a really good show for showing you crazy places around the world that you didn't know about. But my problem with that show is that paid they, opposition. Uh, they it's... they lie to you. They will mm-hmm. tell you stuff that they know isn't true because it's interesting and fascinating and it keeps everything afloat and i just you know i talk about fantastic stuff i talk about the possibilities of what may be but i try to be very very careful to not mislead anybody as to what i actually think might be going on like i don't i I have no interest in trying to convince somebody you know that aliens did or didn't or you know whatever i just uh and i think i think they're really disingenuous that way you know they will and I've watched them do stuff to experts uh, or you know people, authors, whatever that they interview, like Hancock. And they will take everything he uses and like cut the sentence off, like right before he explains why it's not extraterrestrial. But they'll take everything up to that point. Yeah, so they're, they're as bad as you know the Egyptologists on the other side. You know, so yeah, there, there's just something about you know alien it's Fox Nazis. News and, and MSNBC of of you know Egyptology. <laughs> It's pretty There's much something what's about going on. alien Nazis that just sells. Oh you yeah. Know I mean? Well, yeah. Nazis sell. Aliens sell. Alien Nazis got to sell. Yeah, it's like that meme where it shows the. I think it's like the, the DMT guy, and it's like, you know, the first stage, and the second stage, and the third stage. I'm, I'm gonna make a meme of that. I was when I was in uh, Indonesia, a friend of mine and I. She she said something funny. I can't remember what it was now, and it, it like started the party Jesus memes. We were gonna start like party Jesus uh, memes. But, uh, I'm sure somebody's already on it. Yeah, uh, damn, dude. There's just so much stuff. But yeah, it's like you said. If there's nothing, why not just let people? Because you're not allowed to go underneath the Sphinx, right? No. It's actually quite expensive just to go in the enclosure. It's one of the the special permissions we don't really usually do because it's a really expensive permission. Just to be next and, to it? Yeah, and it's two hours in that enclosure. Once you've been in there for 20 minutes, you know, I mean, it's cool to hang out. Don't get me wrong, but, like, there's not that much to see. It's not like being inside the Great Pyramid or inside the Assyrian or inside, you know, one of these other places where, like, there's lots to explore. It's that one area, and it's still cool. Don't get me wrong. But it's a it's a really expensive permission for what it is. Yeah. Damn it, Luke. I gotta I got I gotta get out there, man. 
I got to get out there and and it's I really, really it's really worth it. I mean, all of these places are great to see, but Egypt is just. I, I'm so not going to go anywhere right now because of this whole coronavirus oh, bullshit yeah, right. going around. Uh, yeah, I'm trying because I'm supposed to travel in May, and man, just sort of like. Hmm. Am I traveling in May? I don't know. I haven't, I haven't booked tickets yet. I'm just. Yeah, I'm actually gonna start prepping tomorrow. I'm gonna buy non-perishables. I'm not trying to be a dune, a doomsday prepper, but. You, just don't you know, it's it. never a bad idea. I mean, I live in California, so it's always good to have something because you know we could have the big one any 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 minute. So it's always mm-hmm. good to have food and water, no matter what. But. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all this stuff like. Just we we don't really realize how close we are to the breakdown of society and how quickly it happens. A lot of us don't really think about it, and it really doesn't take long, you know, before before people are fighting over, you know, while looting their local supermarket and killing each other and breaking into people's houses and trying to take, you know. A friend of mine the other day said, you know, he said, look, we what, the only thing I'm grateful for is that we'll probably. We probably won't live to see the water wars, but our kids will. The what? <laughs> it's like the water wars. We're like we're just fighting over drinking water. I was, you know, you think about that. Fuck, if we keep going the way we're going, yeah, that's another another forty, fifty years. There probably will be wars over that. Yeah, no, I agree. We're, uh, one of the good things, I mean, living in Florida, I don't know. I got a bunch of guns, so. I, I stockpiled a bunch of ammo over the years, so if shit does hit the fan, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't own a guy. I've, I've actually, I shot like a, a shotgun, like skeet shooting, when I was like fourteen one time. Apart from that, I've never even. I, they try. I was at uh, Tanis um, in twenty sixteen in Egypt, and when they, when you go out of Cairo, and it's just a couple, well, even with tour group. Um, it's, you know, you, the tourist uh, ministry insists that you have security. So usually it's like a guy in a suit with a semi-automatic block like under his jacket that you don't even really see. But like in this occasion, we had a police escort. Uh, it was like six guys in a, in a pickup truck with AK-47s. <laughs> to leave Cairo? <laughs> well, to leave Cairo and go to Tanis, which is like a, it's like a three or four hour drive. Mm. up north into the desert and like a lot of times they're not it's not that they're protecting you sometimes even from you know local egyptians you might hate americans like everybody there's really friendly to me like i've never you know i've had people try to you know rip me off selling me you know crap but like i feel safe i feel much safer in cairo wandering around than than i feel you know in random areas of los angeles walking around um but uh but one of the things that you you can face sometimes at sites is actually people looting the sites and they're armed and there's people on the sites also who are armed who are there to prevent those looters and there are occasionally firefights oh sure these places so <laughs> here i am and i come on my tour by the way <laughs> uh, no it's really egypt is like so much safer than like half of america anyway um so yeah, these guys had AK-47s, and we so we had sirens and everything. Like the, you know, we never had to stop at a light. I felt like a diplomat or something. It was, it was yeah, crazy. they're probably. I mean, not to not to call any attention. I mean, just call attention to you. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. And, and you know, and Tanis is a pretty cool site, but um, 
they hadn't been out there either these these guys so they came with us and they were checking everything out and oh what's this and they were having a really good time it's like a it was almost like a like a school outing where you know it's like a work outing there at work but they get to go somewhere cool and not have to deal with any shit yeah and so they had a really good day and then at the end of the day i was like let's take a picture with the security team and uh so we got a picture and they they were like here you have to hold the (laughs) ak-47s i'm like yeah no i don't i want to hold your ak-47 and they were they were sad like they I think Ben held one but like I didn't in the end like I was like no I don't I don't really I'm not in I'm not, I played I played with them all the time as a kid and I wanted to be James Bond and and all that stuff and at some point like I just I was like man I don't even want to hold one of those fucking things yeah and I, you definitely have to have a different mindset it's not the fucking wild wild west out here but I've had my concealed carry since since I. Freaking! As soon as I turned twenty-one, I've had it ever since, and I've owned guns. Is it? Is it fear? What? What is? What is? I'm not. I don't. I'm. I'm really curious because I've never felt like I'm gonna go out. I need a gun. What? What? What has happened to you, or that you've? What have you absorbed that you're like? I need to have a concealed weapon. Well. One, the main reason, my business, uh, I used to carry a lot of cash on me, and obviously, sounds if mysterious. It, if it's no, no, it's just you know cash with uh, you know impounded vehicles, things yeah, like yeah. that. I do transportation, and Were when you it's a repo man, one. Yeah, yeah, and you, I still, you mad man. Yeah, and I still do a little bit of that. Um, hey, not as, you got to give us a repo story because I know you got one. <laughs> No, it's dude. That's the thing. That's that's the thing. It's not like how you see in the movies. It's not how you see in the movies. Nine times out of ten, they know you're coming. Right. They just give it up, dude. I've uh, I've never really had anything crazy happen. Because uh, we only hear the stories like in Texas, like the guy shoots the repo guy and get gets away with well, it. Well, we've had gun guns pulled on us for sure. Oh. But the thing is that when you call the cops, the cops are like, "Listen, man. I mean, you know, it's fair game." And I mean, I've I've I specialize more in, and did I did specialize more in uh, repoing the big rigs, and it, there's a lot less uh, resistance there. Usually, you know, you just hook it up as soon as you get there, and then the guy would come out and just get his stuff out, and it'd be cool because they knew you were coming. Right. Uh, but I've had people. I used to work for the airport. I had the contract for the airport. I've had people drive off the back of the truck. Wow. Like in the shows, that there at the airport, since it's tourists and stuff like that, it got a little bit hectic, but nothing too crazy. Uh, but yeah, yeah. And people people just lose it. But you you know that's like somewhere, like you know that's not going to end well. Like in no. no situation does that end well no. for you. No, it doesn't. It doesn't, especially at the airport. Like they're always on your side. So, wow. uh, you know, one of the main things was that. So I, I I and then I have you know when people would come get their cars. The private property tows, those people would get nasty sometimes. But again, it's like, you know the rules. You illegally parked. You had expired tag, whatever. You'd have people who were angry come with that. And then the other aspect of, I live in Florida. You know, we've had a lot of mass shootings. Yeah. Uh, and the real monsters, Luke, the real monsters... You know, speaking of other dimensions, stuff like that, and seeing whatever you want to call it, the real monsters are us. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Nowadays, Absolutely. you know, kids can't even go to school without the fear of dying. And it's a double-edged sword. And I'm not like this crazy, passionate guy, you know, with the Second Amendment. I own my guns. I believe in responsible ownership. I don't believe that people... I do believe we need reform. You know, uh, I just want to say... I just want to say this because I never hear this on TV. Because you know, people talk about, you know, how now kids can't go to school without fear of dying. But, like, you know, inner city kids had to deal with that, like, in the re- in the poor fucking districts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to deal with that in the 60s, 70s, yeah. 80s in a really bad way. And it's I think it's only now that, like, it's happening on, like, affluent college universities and white fucking high schools in Colorado. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. So that's one thing. And I, I, I conceal carry every single day and I conceal carry everywhere I go, unless it's a federal, if I'm going downtown, then I go into a federal building, which you can't, but I conceal carry everywhere I go. And for example, this morning, the area that I live in isn't, I worked night shift last night. So I was, uh, I went to go pump gas at friggin' four in the morning because I was waiting for some some of my drivers to head to the shop, and I was in the drive-through to McDonald's. I was getting I was getting some breakfast, and dude, just some shots rang out. You know, boom, 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 boom. And I was on the phone, and the person on the phone was me. Was like, "What the hell is that?" I was like, "Somebody got lit up." <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? The area that I'm in, it's not bad. It's not the best, but it's not bad, and it's like. You know, you just don't ever know, and and it's not only for me. Like, it's not like I'm gonna play hero if something ever happens. I've never had to pull my gun. No, I'm like I pulled my gun one time, but it wasn't on a person. It was on a on a dog. It was like uh, I think it was like a pit bull or something. And I I was out fishing. I was fishing this pond, and I think there was like this dog loose or something. I was with my buddy. And this this mean looking, mean sounding dog, bro, was running towards us, and I pulled my gun, and uh, the dog didn't do anything to us. But I'm not gonna get mauled by a fucking dog, <laughs> you know. I was shoot it in the face. I don't care. Yeah, but that's the only time I've ever had to really pull my gun. I've never, I, you know, I don't road rage because again, you have to have this different mentality uh, when you have this sort of thing. Because I'm in Florida. I have yeah. a gun. The other guy probably has a gun too. And if he's a hothead, if I instigated it and he's coming towards me with a gun, what am I supposed to do? I instigated the the situation, so I'm going to pull mine because he's coming at me with his. You know what I mean? Like It's like you have to make sure you know and keep your cool. I don't pick fights with anybody. You know, I don't... I won't you, let anybody... You also stuff. know that there's a lot of people yeah. out there that you would not trust that's that that's that's that what i have that gun at. that you cannot trust to make that it, same decision exactly so i again that's why i believe we need we do need some sort of reform but the the thing about the gun issue the second amendment issue is that you have it's it's a it's an insurance policy for the people of this country because look at venezuela look at Japan, look at China right now. You know, the government is pulling you out. You know, during martial law, during martial law, what rights do you have as a citizen? Uh, I think the problem really with that is, I mean, honestly, the reason I 
start becoming interested in a in a gun is just because of the breakdown of society and what happens. I mean, mm-hmm. I have, um, you know, in Katrina, uh, my stepdad's friend was stuck there and had his supplies stolen at gunpoint by a police officer. Really? And then had he and like 25 other people, yeah, and he and like 25 other people commandeered, got together and, sorry, uh, rented uh, like a coach to come down from Ohio or somewhere to get him out. And uh, that was commandeered as well. Like, so they know they, really? no, they couldn't get out. But the, the thing that, you know, yeah, it was the being robbed, you know, by police officers of their water and food. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's what I'm saying. Uh, if, if That's the kind know. of thing. But if it comes down to like martial law, uh, you know, even having, a, you know, a, a, an automatic rifle like they these they have drones and uh, jet airplanes and tanks mm-hmm. and artillery mm-hmm. and in a Second Amendment is, is not going to do shit for us. If no, no, like, I, our, I understand. That, but, coming. but you're not pulling me out of my house forcibly. You know, uh, to do because like the the main thing right now is I said let's say that this Wuhan thing is real. Uh, what if they suspect you? You know, let's say they're they're going on a witch hunt. You know, oh you're sick, dude. You have to go to these concentration camps being set up by FEMA, uh, or by that, whoever. You know that 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 decision ends up in you dead because you can't kill them all. And they no, will, that's the thing. You're gonna you, go down so. no matter what. Yeah, that's you know. yeah. But I'm not going down without a fight. I I, I hear you. You know what I mean? But I'm not so, going up without. I mean, a fight. You, yeah. He, I'm not going to open the door and be like, yeah, just take me. I'm not sick, but you're going to put me in a place that's full of sick people. You know what I mean? I'm going to end up dying anyways. So you're not pulling me out of my house. You're not going to come knock on my door and be like, hey, I have bill of sales for all my guns. All my guns as of right now are sold. (laughs) You know what I mean? Uh, And I have like 15 different guns. All my guns right now are sold as of right now. So if they come in, hey, we need your guns. Well, here's my bill of sale. They're all, you know, they can't prove, oh, we're going to come in. The fuck you are. You know what I mean? Like, because look at Japan. The people over there, they had to succumb to the government. The government was ruling them. I mean, they couldn't. What? Well, let's protest. You can protest all the fuck you want. You know what I mean? You can protest all you want, but at the end of the day, the government is going to rule you. You know, the, the government in Venezuela is living like a king, and the people are starving to death. And they're you know, I, the thing is, you know, I'm, I'm all for rights. You know, and liberties. I think those are you know the most important things. And I I don't necessarily believe like I think it's too late as well to take take everybody's guns away. Really. Oh yeah, no no no. Things, for every one, yeah, for every one gun that the government has, there's there's there's. I just of- it's so rare that I see. You know when when the gun the the person owning the gun not a policeman. You know, you live in ends, California. Ends up, it's a little bit different. I, I do, but you know what? I lived in LA during the riots. I was actually shot at in the riots because we were stupid enough to drive down in South Central and see what was going on because we were like 19. Uh, but like even now, like I was just telling somebody about that recently because I didn't even realize was was going on. It was like this popping sound. It looked like this guy was waving his hand out of a car window, and the people in my car were like, "Fucking drive!" He's shooting at us, and I'm like, "What?" I didn't really know what was going on. He was, you know, half block away. And, you know, this isn't TV. Mm-hmm. And but like even like recollecting that and thinking back, like it, there isn't any point where I thought about like I wish I had a gun so I could shoot back. Like I just I really just I just don't have a I don't have a gun. My, my thing is if I have a gun, I'm running and hiding. 
and I'm using my gun if they come through. I'm not going to go. It's not like the movies, dude. You miss all the fucking time. It's not John Wick where he hits every single time. No, you miss. I go to the range. Yeah. You miss all the time. Oh, handguns are really, it seems like it's very hard to actually be accurate outside of like, what, 15 feet or something. All the fucking time. You miss all the time. And I've competed too. You know, I've competed in, in uh, shooting competitions and, and uh, yeah, dude, it's super hard. I mean, people, oh yeah, dude, I would, I would pull my gun out, you know, and, and shoot anybody who come towards me. No, the fuck you won't, dude. Things happen so quickly. And I mean, again, I'm in Florida. Uh, you know, we have stand your ground, but then there's things behind that. But again, it's just don't put yourself in that position where you're going to have to yeah. go through all of that. You know what I mean? Don't instigate. Don't pick a fight. Yo, you're looking at me wrong. What, you know, what's up? Don't, don't do that. You know what I mean? Like, just stay in your lane. Somebody cuts you off, let them cut you off. You know, it's fine, dude. You know, just slow down or whatever. But you have people who always want to, again, the reptilians are feeding off of this energy. <laughs> and that's what they want. They want us to fight. But that's just my insurance policy, dude, with me and my family. If, if anything ever happens. To, I'm too old to road rage anymore. I'm like, all right, you, <laughs> go ahead. Just don't crash into me. But yeah, dude, you know, it just. I'm not super passionate about, uh, you know, the Second Amendment. I I, I do don't I don't get to right. talk to you know people. I mean, I I had uh, when I lived in the Bay Area in my my twenties, I had a housemate. Uh, he had a couple guns. I, I never saw him. You know, I know he had. Yeah, them. They're locked up in the safe. I but, I have my uh, daily carry, and uh, you know that's it's it's always in a holster. I lock it up every day, and 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 uh you know I have a, I have a son, I have a little kid. Uh, you know, I lock it up every day. You won't ever see it. You know, they're more... I have some exotic guns, too. I have, you know, uh, 5.7. Uh, I have a Chris Vector. You know, guns that when I go to the... Uh, you know, I have, supp- I have suppressors. That when I go to a shooting range, everybody's like, dude, can I see that? Because it's like, man, that's fucking badass. I have some weird fucking guns. Uh, you know, obviously, I have a shotgun and stuff like that. Uh, AR-10, AR-15 style. Um you know, bolt action, 308, uh, have a bunch of pistols. Uh, <laughs> just, it's, uh, it's a collection. I mean, it's, it's I mean, a collection. I mean, over, it is a collection. That's, that's one thing I don't sell guns. You don't ever sell your guns because of, because of some, you know, and especially nowadays, like what's, what's, what's going on now, dude, I have a buddy of mine who has a collection. It's worth at least a hundred grand. And wow. I'm talking, I'm talking military, grade stuff that i was like bro his safe is the size of that's like, when you that's when you need like the the Anne frank bookcase yeah well i mean my friend has has guns that it's five dollars a round to, Man, to shoot it so when he takes it out to the range it's five dollars a round and he's got cases of of, of ammo it's like oh there's 150 rounds there of 50 cow it's like what dude it's five dollars a piece it's like damn man but again it, it's I don't know. Like I was telling somebody, I think I was telling my dad. I was like, uh, I was like, man, you know, I I'm not saying God or whoever is is coming, but I feel like there's something gonna that's something that's gonna happen soon. That you know, rock. I, I, I totally understand that feeling, but I I also have a feeling every generation thinks that. Mm-hmm. God has been coming since I was like seven years old. <laughs> yeah. 
You know what I mean? It's always the same. Oh, God is coming. We're living in times. Next year, God is coming. We're living in times. You're going to find out pretty soon, one, that you're already here. That's the... That's... And all of this is just you. Yeah. That's not, again, that's why I've been contemplating about this. And I told somebody that I said, what if there's nothing else out there? I think, well, you know, we, we might just be, this entire universe may just be one being learning how to be a god. Well, I mean, that fit, again, that's already been written, dude. You, you have <laughs> the Book of Enoch, the Watchers. The Nephilim, the fallen angels. That's what it is, you know. That's why we had the flood. That's why they had Noah, because God got pissed off that the that the watchers were tampering with his experiment. You know what I mean? I'm just, you know, I'm not sure that these entities that are talked about that claim to be gods <laughs> are gods. Hello, <laughs> religious people. I Yes, you will not like me. But yeah, uh, that's, you, I don't... I just don't, you know. I, I went off the rails on an episode before this. Because God, God's not going to come down here, you know, with a list of rules. I mean, I don't get me wrong. Like, I think the basic tenets of a lot of these religions, their their laws are great. The whole, you know, they're great rules. Yes. Yeah. To um, to, to what? To govern a society. To have yeah, order. To live Moses together. Moses came up with the Ten Commandments because he was going to have. Uh, you know, he was going to rule people. He was going to rule over people, ha have a society, and they needed, they needed. Yeah, and if, if needed... you're doing what God said, it's mm -hmm. it's going to be a whole lot less arguing. Yeah, exactly. It's like maybe he was having a DMT trip off that acacia bush that was yeah. uh, uh, burning, and he's like, dude, he was known to know the Egyptians. He was very well known in the Egypt as a scribe, yeah. and he knew the Egyptian laws and everything, and the 42 laws of Ma are, are, are some of the Ten Commandments. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it just so happens to be he saw... Maybe he wasn't partying the Red Sea. Maybe he was fucking having a psychedelic trip, and people were like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? It's like... <laughs> he's got his hands up. <laughs> and they're like, cross. Motherfucker, you're not doing anything. <laughs> right? Dude, I, I went off the rails on this other episode that I did the other day with a friend of mine. And I don't have rules when it comes to episodes, but I try to stay away from... I try to stray away from the crazy uh, conspiracies with religion. And he said some shit. And I went ahead and talked about it on the episode. I didn't want to, but... Uh, you know, my research has led me to... God and the devil are the same thing. You know what I mean? Uh, that's what my research has led me to. Um, you know, as yeah. they say, you have these two archetypes always in history throughout all these cultures that somehow are battling each other, but they're brothers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, good and evil, but then they're related some way. Uh, how they I say it takes a demon to kill a demon. It takes a dragon to slay a dragon. You know what I mean? Uh, so yeah, a certain amount of it may be, you know, spirit versus flesh. Yeah, so. whatever it is, dude, whatever it is, and we'll, we'll end on this note, whatever it is, I don't know, and one thing I know for sure is that I don't know shit. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I'm, I know very little. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, and again, it's like you said, you know, people, it, it offends people, it offends, it offends a lot of people, dude, and People have looked at me differently, and it's like, 
you know, I've, I've, I had, I'm listening, I was listening back to an older episode that I had done and I was like telling the guy, I was like, yeah, I believe God created everything. And then I was listening to it and I was like, <laughs> saying to him, I was like, well, that's changed. <laughs> you know, I'm, so I'm they happy. Asked me, they were like, out there, they asked me, they're like, dude, has it really impacted you all that much? And I was like, it's really impacted me all that much, dude. It, it really has. People you know. really need a, uh, you know, uh, a support structure. Absolutely. And, and, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. And, I, you know, it's not that I want to stand there and tell anybody, like, you know, their God is, is wrong. Uh, and I don't. Or that another God is better. Because I, I don't. Um, but, you know, I, I think a lot comes down to, like, that, like that pizza uh, delivery meme. Where it's like, you know, you have, you've got religions that are essentially ordering the same pizza. And they're arguing about, you know, who's the better delivery guy. <laughs> and that's like, I mean, how many thousands of years, and how many people have died over, like, who delivers the fucking pizza? Like, it's, you know, I just don't understand. There's, if, if. And I, I think generally, you know, most of the population within these, they don't, they feel, you know, the similarity between us rather than the difference. But, you know, it's just abuse. It's that, you know, uh, that section of, of people who understand that they can manipulate that to, you know, to, to cause something that benefits them and creates issues for other people. I mean, there are just some people you know, who want to watch the world burn. Yes, they're reptilians. Yeah. (laughs) You know, maybe, maybe they are actually reptilians or maybe they're just, you know, spiritually reptilian in this lifetime due to unfortunate circumstances. Yeah. Uh, But who knows, this might be like V, you know, Diana might eat a hamster in front of me and someone might gouge the face off and I see the, see the reptile skin. Might happen. I haven't. I haven't seen that yet. <laughs> no, I haven't either. V scared the hell out of me when I was a kid. The original one in the eighties. It's a it's a crazy show. You know the aliens. I don't know if you ever saw it, but the aliens show up and they're no, they're, they're they're us. You know they're humans and they've come from another planet and they, you know they they just need something from us and they're going to share all this technology with us. But they're just wearing human skin suits and they're fucking reptiles and they're they're going to take us away and eat us and and suck up all our earth's resources yeah yeah oh it's uh, great man it develops in like you know the one evil chick she eats a a hamster and like her mouth opens like eight inches you know down and like oh my god when i was a kid i was like fucking terrified it's hilarious fucking hell yeah i'm gonna sorry i don't uh, mean to make fun of the reptilian thing it's no 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 i don't dude i don't believe i just say it i (laughs) i like to well, it could, you know, who knows? I mean, I I can't get into David Icke, but you know, maybe he's right about something. I, I don't know. Well, he's he's out there, dude. You know, he was talking about how he's a god and stuff like that, and and. Well, he is. <sighs> Just probably not the kind. He, you know, we. we you know. I, I think we're all gods. In yeah, a we are God. We just, you know, we're here. Just not, dude. Uh, <laughs> speaking of gods, there is a. So, so speaking of the, of the coronavirus, we, we touched on that. Yeah. There is a cult in North Korea, and it's an underground cult. 
and I thought it was funny because I, I have a friend of mine who lives in Vietnam, right. and I've been talking to him, and I'm like, hey, dude, uh, how, what are you doing to, to you know, with this whole Wuhan? And he's like, dude, I'm not even thinking about it. I'm like, all right. And he told me some stuff the other day. He was sending some articles, and he said that he the article he sent me was that North Korea has a crazy outbreak of the Wuhan virus and they're spreading it. But in particular, there's this cult that they have 150,000 followers. The guy who runs it thinks he's the second coming of Jesus Christ. And he's only going to save 144,000 people. And so these people, so that they get saved, they still have to go to communion and have to get together with them. So even if you're sick or not, you still have to go. So everybody's getting each other sick. And... They're just spreading it more and more and more. And again, since it's underground, the government doesn't know about it. And it's like they're spreading it because they want to be saved. <laughs> wow, that's a that's a crazy story. Yeah, it's fucking wild, right? And wow. and you know, it's like it's like the in the during the dark ages, you know, people took religion so literal and it was like ruling people's lives. Uh and that's the there's a there's a dangerous aspect. The only thing that separates a cult with a religion is the time that it's been established. That's the only difference. And yeah. even even at that, you know, you have Scientology. That's what. That's what. How it's not even that old. It's not even a hundred years old. We literally can't. We, we knew Scientology is hilarious. Scientology's demonic. I think that's. I think it's my favorite religion because it's just so fucking hilarious it's funny as fuck i i agree it's very very and that they get intelligent people to buy yes. into that shit is just stunning yeah like, i can it... understand growing up in a catholic family you know a hindu family an islamic family you know whatever i can a jewish family and then like it's part of your culture and you grow up and you know i understand that but like to just become an adult and buy into something who created by a guy who wrote like some of the worst fucking books imaginable oh yeah the the, the person who's written the most fiction ever unbelievable but, but yeah dude i find uh, all those uh documentaries about you know exposing scientology like weirdly fascinating though it's it's real but what people don't know is that it's a, a religion uh with demonic uh you know he was Oh, Ron Hubbard was fucking with John Parsons and Aleister Crowley and all that stuff. And he was an occultist, you know, trying to summon the uh, the Babylon, the, the whore of Babylon doing sex ritual magic. Wow. <laughs> yeah, you look into that. Look into that. Look into the Babylon holding ritual with uh, L. Ron Hubbard and John Parsons. Mm, and John Parsons is the father of modern day propulsion, which right. is in nasa right now just how nasa was founded by the nazis with uh project paperclip after world war ii and the not the the nazis put us on the moon you know von braun was a fucking nazi you know what i mean i'm familiar yeah a lot of people and people don't talk about that shit nasa nazis you know (laughs) the same thing is like what do you guys want to name it well we're the nazis like we can't fucking name it that dude (laughs) <laughs> well, let's name it something. I like the end. Let's let's keep it. Yeah. Well, man. You know. I remember when NASA used to be cool. Yeah, but I don't. I don't trust NASA either, dude. No, I don't either. Fuck. But you know, they're it's a government agency. Shouldn't trust exactly. any government agency. 
that's the problem. It's a government agency, and we can't trust any of them. But, uh, Luke, dude, always... All right, man. Fucking fascinating uh, conversations. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. Today so. was cool, man. I mean, we, we were all over the place. You know, we talked about megalithic sites, ancient civilizations, 5G, yep. spirituality... Second Amendment, the reptilians. Oh my God, the Second Amendment. Never thought I'd end up talking about that. Yeah, it was. But, yeah. It was good, man. I mean, yeah, I really enjoy talking to you, bro. You got some shit. Hopefully, I can. Uh... <laughs> you know, I'm thinking it's it's a good idea to do these podcasts because I, you know, I need to advertise my tour, and then I'm like nobody's gonna want to go on tour with this <laughs> this uh, psychedelic uh, traveler. Other yeah, dimensions and shit. What's going on here? I think I'm going to stay at home. Plug in your info so that people can, and I'll put it at the beginning too. Uh, uh, you so can, yeah, you, sure. You can see my, uh, my website is enigmas of the ancient dot world. Um, and you can find links to my Instagram, YouTube and Facebook page, etc. from, from there. But I also, yeah, I'm on Instagram enigmas underscore of underscore the underscore ancient underscore world. And an of the ancient world on Facebook. So, yeah, we have a right tour on. in October of uh, some of the hidden places of Egypt that are usually off off limits, and we have special permission to go inside and explore all the chambers in the Great Pyramid, well, except the relieving chamber, and uh, a whole bunch of other sites: um, the Assyrian Aberwash, Abujurab, Abasir, Aventini Island, all kinds of cool stuff. Yeah, the, uh, the shaft and tomb. The only thing holding me back right now is just the whole Wuhan stuff. I don't. Yeah, even we'll have to like see that how that. Way. Believe me, like if if everybody's dying, you know, I'm not going to be like get in the bus. <laughs> uh, you know, obviously that's that's taken into it. What also happens if you sign up with the tour, uh, and you cancel for whatever reason, then you lose your deposit. But if you sign up for the tour and you put your deposit down, and we cancel the tour because of something like coronavirus, you get your deposit yeah. back. Like you don't. You know, you don't lose money if we have to uh, kill the tour because of something like that. But hopefully, for everybody's sake, uh, they get a grip on this and life rolls on. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, well, not even that. I mean, even if I could fly out to California and hang out with you for a day or something. Yeah. I can do a podcast over there and shit. That would be fun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, dude, I'll hit you up in a little bit. Going to get something to eat. Cool. Thanks, Juan. And, uh, thanks yeah, for me being too. on again. I gotta, like, my cats are like stalking me to my way because like, it was dinner time for them about an hour and 45 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, I told my girlfriend it was going to be quick. My fiance, I told her it was going to be a quick episode. Now with Luke, we fucking go in deep. Oh, and we come How out on the was... other side. Well, there you have it. Always gets weird when I have Luke on the show. I love the conversations that we have because it just goes off the rails. Such an interesting individual. And somebody who I can call a friend now and somebody who I, I, I talk to almost every day now. I love meeting new people like this. People with the same ideas and, and who like talking about the same things that I like talking about. So don't forget to follow us on social media. Don't forget to check out Luke's work, Enigmas of the Ancient World on YouTube. He makes videos of ancient sites, goes around the world, and he also does tours. Make sure to follow us on social media at the Juan Juan Podcast. Also, you can shoot me an email if you want to be on the show, if you want to hear anything that 
that we talk, you know, if you want to hear us talking about anything, the one on one podcast at gmail.com. And again, like always, watch for the episode next week, Mondays at 7 a.m. And as always, until next time. Thank you.